It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Welcome to Least of These, where I cover the cases that need it most, because every life matters and everyone deserves justice. I'm your host, Leah D, and today I'll be covering the case of Marina Placencia in Denver, Colorado. Let's get right to it. Amtrak's California Zephyr is a long-distance passenger train that runs from Chicago, Illinois to San Francisco, California, traveling 2,400 miles over the course of three days and two nights. According to travel blogs and websites, it's one of the most scenic train trips in North America, trekking through the plains of Nebraska, the heart of the Rockies, the Sierra Nevadas, and ending in the Golden City. There are miles and miles of snow-capped mountains, stunning river views, canyons, deserts, and brightly lit cityscapes. So it's no surprise that a trip on the California Zephyr is at the top of many a bucket list. In September of 2016, 28-year-old Marina Placencia was on the number five train headed from Chicago to Denver, Colorado. Marina had begun her journey in Milwaukee, which was the nearest Amtrak station to her hometown of Racine. The California Zephyr doesn't run all the way to Milwaukee, of course. So Marina had taken a short trip on another Amtrak train from Milwaukee, Wisconsin to the historic Chicago Union Station to catch the California Zephyr in Chicago to take it all the way to Denver and her waiting family. Marina wasn't crossing off the bucket list trip of a lifetime, however. She was ready to start fresh near her brother and her maternal side of the family. And she wasn't traveling alone. Marina was making the trip with her longtime boyfriend of about 10 years, 34-year-old Angelo Mantic, and her four children, all of whom were under the age of 10. Just before 8 a.m. the morning of September 1st, 2016, the train carrying Marina and her kids rolled into Denver's Union Station and Marina's waiting family. It was clear from the moment the train docked that something was very wrong. EMS personnel and police officers rushed into the train car as it arrived. Something had happened and Marina was unresponsive. Marina's family members who were waiting for her in Denver were rushed into a conference room inside the station and told the news. 
Marina had been found unresponsive in her seat on the train roughly 10 minutes before arrival in Denver. Staff on the train, as well as other passengers, had attempted life-saving measures and EMS was now on scene. But despite their best efforts, 28-year-old Marina Placencia was pronounced deceased at 7.54 a.m. Responding officers were told that there had been no disturbance on the train ride, and it didn't appear Marina had any major health conditions. So how had a healthy 28-year-old woman just died? With no obvious cause of death, homicide detectives were immediately called in. According to police documents, at 8.15 a.m., detectives Randall Dennison and John Salton, along with others, responded to Union Station. They were quickly filled in with the limited details responding officers had gathered, which was basically just that a female passenger had been found unresponsive prior to arrival. Responding officers pointed the detectives in the direction of the only adult that had been traveling with Marina, her boyfriend, Angelo Mantic. Angelo was on the platform area right beside the train, and when Detective Dennison looked towards him, he appeared beside himself with grief, crying and even vomiting a few times. Angelo told the detective that he, Marina, who he referred to as his wife, and their children had been living in Racine but were moving back to Denver. He explained that they had left Wisconsin the previous day at around 11 a.m. They made it to their layover in Chicago and got off the train, walked around, and bought a sandwich that they shared when they got back to their seats on the train. Everything seemed fine. They ate the food and nothing seemed off with Marina. Or at least not until they were about 20 minutes outside of Denver. At that point, Angelo said he had tried to wake Marina up, but she didn't respond. At first, he wrote it off to her being a heavy sleeper. So he tried again 10 minutes later, but again, she wouldn't wake up. According to Angelo, it was then that he noticed that something was wrong, so he called out for help. Help arrived, but as we know, there was nothing they could do for Marina. Hey y'all, winter is basically here, and I'm going to be completely honest, it's not my season. One of the worst parts is struggling to find the right temperature when I'm going to sleep. The heat's on and I don't want to be cold, but I also don't want to wake up drenched in sweat. Let me just tell you, I've found a way to avoid all that and stay the perfect temperature all night long using silver-infused bed sheets by Miracle Made that were inspired by NASA. Using silver-infused fabrics, Miracle-Made sheets are thermoregulating and designed to keep you at the perfect temperature all night long, so you get better sleep every night. Miracle sheets are luxuriously comfortable, too, without the high price tag of other luxury brands and feel as nice, if not nicer, than sheets used by some five-star hotels. And with the holiday season quickly approaching, Miracle sheets make the perfect gift for your spouse, friends, or family. I mean, who doesn't want better sleep and luxurious feeling bed sheets? And since these come with three free towels, you get two gifts in one. You should probably keep the towels for yourself. I'm just saying I would. Now is the perfect time to get these sheets in your life. Just go to trymiracle.com slash lease to try it today or gift it to someone special this holiday season. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Save over 40%. And if you use our promo least at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. 
So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash least and use the code least to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40%. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash least to treat yourself a friend or a loved one this holiday season. After speaking with Angelo, Detective Dennison got on the train to speak to investigators with the medical examiner's office, who were on board conducting an initial external examination of Marina's body. Looking at Marina, the detective observed that she had numerous bruises that to him looked like they were consistent with an assault or struggle. Investigator Daniels from the ME's office confirmed with the detective that he noted obvious bruises and injuries too. But none of them, he thought, appeared severe enough to explain why Marina had died. Things weren't adding up. I mean, this was a public train with people all around. No one had reported an altercation. So how was Marina covered in bruises? What had happened? Detective Dennison shifted his attention back to Angelo Mantic, who was now in a break room inside Union Station. The two sat down to talk and the detective asked Angelo about the bruises on Marina's body. Angelo explained that Marina had been, quote, banged up from moving. He went on to say that they had been moving furniture down the stairs and that a screen door had closed and hit her on the shoulder. But the injuries appeared more severe than a screen door to the shoulder. And then there was what Marina's brother told the police before the family left Union Station that day. According to police documents, Marina's brother said to an officer, look into Angelo because he is abusive. Investigators definitely planned on digging into Angelo, but first they needed to get all the information they could out of the passengers and crew that were still present. Detective Dennison obtained a written statement from the Amtrak assistant conductor. The assistant conductor told the detective that Marina, her four kids, and Angelo boarded the train in Chicago at about 2 p.m. the prior day. No issues were brought to his attention until he was made aware that Marina was unresponsive. And when he was made aware, he immediately responded to seat 22, Marina's seat, and noted that when he arrived, she was unresponsive but warm to the touch, and that the only odd thing he observed was that her bra had been pulled up over her breasts. But prior to Marina being found unresponsive, not a single person on the train noted seeing anything suspicious when it came to the family of six. The following day on September 2nd, 2016, Marina's autopsy was conducted at the Denver office of the medical examiner. And from the external exam, it was clear that she had been beaten. There were so many injuries to include a bruise on her right cheek, bruises around her mouth and face, Injuries inside her mouth, a bruise on her outer right shoulder, bruises on both her upper arms and forearms, bruises on both her thighs and calves, bruises on her upper body and the right side of her abdomen area. But for all the obvious injuries, even after a more in-depth exam, the cause of death still wasn't clear. Yes, she had these injuries, but it didn't appear that any of these injuries would have been fatal. The final report from the medical examiner wouldn't be ready for at least two weeks. Investigators didn't have two weeks to wait, however, so they went on and tried to piece together what they could of the puzzle. And as it turns out, the Denver police would have help. 
because Amtrak has a police force all of their own, complete with patrol officers, a canine unit, and detectives, just to name a few. According to Amtrak, the Amtrak Police Department consists of more than 450 sworn and civilian personnel in 30 locations in 46 states, which conduct a range of behind-the-scenes and frontline security measures to ensure Amtrak employee, passenger, and infrastructure safety and security. I guess I never really thought about it in modern times before. I mean, I have seen an old Westerner 20, but crime doesn't stop on a train, and railway police forces have been a thing since the mid-1800s. In fact, according to the U.S. Department of Justice, the first state law granting authority to railroad police was enacted in 1865. The railroad police were hired to protect trains from freight robberies and passengers from pickpockets and other criminals. And even today, the job of the railroad police is much the same, to keep passengers, the train, and staff safe. Though accurate data is hard to come by since transit crime rates aren't recorded separately from other crime rates, disorderly conduct, theft, assault, drugs, and vandalism are the main issues facing the rail system. And bad shit goes down on a train more than you might think. Those statistics are hard to come by too. But I was curious, so I did a little digging and found an article in the Washington Post, which found that in 2019, Amtrak police alone responded to just over 5,700 criminal incidents on their trains or in the stations. How many of those incidents were violent and how many were someone getting rowdy after way too many drinks in the lounge car? Well, there's no statistic that I could find on that. However, I think it's safe to say it isn't every day that someone dies under suspicious circumstances while on a train ride. The Amtrak police wanted to get to the bottom of what happened as well, and they were working with the Denver police to figure it all out. Detective Dennison moved on and talked to Angelo Mantic over the phone, trying to get background and insight into Marina's life, hoping maybe that would give him some clue as to how she died. According to police documents, at approximately 2.30 p.m. on September 2nd, the detective called Angelo, and Angelo told him all about how he and Marina had lived in Racine for three years. But they were, quote, super excited about moving back to Denver and were constantly talking about what they were going to do when they got there. Angelo recalled that for the last couple months, they were overly happy and just couldn't wait for the big move. And then at one point in the call, Angelo oddly blurted out that he hadn't even been sitting next to Marina for the entire train ride. Wait, what? Was he trying to distance himself from whatever happened to his longtime girlfriend? Investigator Dennison took note. I mean, that was an odd statement to make. The investigator shifted the conversation to his concern for the number of injuries Marina had. But again, Angelo had the same explanation. Marina bruised easily and all of the injuries were from her moving heavy furniture down the stairs of their old home. He stuck to his original story. Well, kinda. This time, Angelo said that Marina was carrying a box down the stairs when the door hit her and caused injuries to her face. He had previously said the door hit her on the shoulder and now it was her face. Angelo went on to blame other injuries on the children, claiming that their two-year-old daughter had scratched Marina in the face about a week prior. It didn't seem like the investigator was buying it, so he asked him if he and Marina had been in any altercations recently. He said no and claimed that there had been one physical altercation, but that had been about two years earlier. 
He and Marina had handled their problems and been fine since then. But that wasn't the story anyone else told. If Marina was overly excited about arriving in Denver, it was because she felt she was finally going to be free from a man who had allegedly beat her and abused her children. Did you know that one out of eight couples struggle with infertility? Seriously, that's a staggering statistic that most people don't know or aren't ready to talk about. It's likely that if you're not struggling with infertility, then you probably know someone who has or is still struggling. Yet again, it's not something people are willing to open up about. As women, we go to the OBGYN for our annual checkups, but checking in with our fertility isn't usually a thing until we're ready for kids and struggling to get pregnant. And if you take it all the way back to sex ed, you probably learned all about how to prevent pregnancy, but what about how to plan for it? That's why Modern Fertility was created. It's an easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. Mail it in with a prepaid label and get your personalized results within six business days. You'll get insight into your hormone levels like your ovarian reserve, aka if you have more or fewer eggs than average for your age, and other important factors that can impact your fertility. The results go deep into what every hormone means, and you can even download those results to review with your doctor for the next steps. With modern fertility, you can save time and money. Traditional hormone testing at a fertility clinic is expensive and can cost over $600. But Modern Fertility tests the same general set of hormones for only $179. But if you go to modernfertility.com least, you can get $20 off your test. Right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com least. That means your test will cost $159, which is a fraction of what it would cost at a fertility clinic. Get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash least. Once again, that's modernfertility.com slash least. Marina's family told Fox 31 Denver that Marina hadn't left her home in Racine super excited to continue her life with Angelo. Marina had left excited to escape his abuse. In August that year, Marina and seven members of her family had devised a secret plan. Marina would come to Denver and her family would meet her at the train station. The original plan was for Marina and the kids to come alone, but Angelo wasn't going to allow that to happen. So they came up with a new plan. Marina would take him along with her and pretend that they were going to continue on once they got to Denver. But once her family had her there with them in the safety of her mother's house, she would file a restraining order and completely cut ties with Angela Mantic. Her brother told the outlet that Marina was, quote, ready to break the cycle. He continued on stating, that's why I was at Union Station, to let him know she's not going home with you. She's coming home with us where she belongs. We were going to take care of those kids and take care of her. Marina's family was waiting at the train station that day to do just that. This was her way out. 
and Marina Placencia needed a way out. Stories began to surface of just how horrific Marina's life with Angelo had been. Detective Dennison spoke with a former neighbor over the phone who told him that Mantic had beat Marina repeatedly. He had beat her the day before they boarded the train for Denver. The neighbor went on to say that Angelo both mentally and physically abused Marina daily, and she had personally witnessed the abuse on multiple occasions, one of those occasions being just before they left. As they were in the process of moving and taking furniture out to the curb, Mantic wasn't helping much in the way of moving stuff. He appeared to be limping and possibly had a bruise on his leg. But he was ordering Marina and the children around. And while he wasn't well enough to get off his ass and move the furniture, he was well enough to beat his girlfriend. According to police documents, this neighbor witnessed Angelo slapping Marina in the face, punching her on the side, grabbing and punching her arms, grabbing her neck, and pulling her hair. All the while calling her a see you next Tuesday and a dumb bitch as he told her to move the furniture faster. And it only gets worse from here. At one point, Angela was throwing furniture off the balcony, barking orders at the children, and screaming that they weren't moving fast enough or doing it right. Let me remind you that all of these children were under the age of 10. It got so bad that the neighbor's son tried to help the kids, but Angelo yelled at him too and told him not to help them. The neighbor went on to say she had never personally seen Angelo hitting the children, but had heard what sounded like hard hitting numerous times, followed by children crying. And after he would spank the children, they wouldn't be allowed outside. She believed it was because they had visible injuries. A few days prior to the move, she had heard one of the boys saying, Please stop, it hurts. She then heard Angelo say, Get up, you little bastard. Stop acting like your fucking mom and take it like a man. A man, like this gutless, bitch-ass, bottom-feeding gutter trash would know absolutely anything about being a man. The neighbor continued on, saying she felt Angelo, not a mantic, had his children, quote, highly trained to not say anything. And that on multiple occasions, she herself had taken Marina to Wheaton Francis Hospital in Racine to be treated for injuries sustained from Angelo's assaults on her. Detective Dennison also became aware of a report from Racine County Social Services. The children's school had reported that they were coming to school with dirty clothes smelling of urine. The reason would be revealed later and it was heartbreaking. Speaking of the children, after Marina's death, they were not in custody of their father. They were safe somewhere else. The children had made it clear to officials that they did not want to go with Angelo Mantic, and thankfully, they were not placed in his care. On October 18, 2016, the autopsy report was finally completed and released, and it revealed the extent of Marina's injuries. In total, there were 35 documented injuries to Marina's body. I'm going to list every single one because it's important that we understand just how extensive Marina's abuse had been. There was an abrasion on her forehead, contusion on her left cheek and left upper lip, petechial hemorrhages on the upper left inside of her mouth, a contusion on her left lower face, jaw and chin. 
a contusion on her right mid-jaw, a deep scalp contusion on the front right side of her head, bleeding between her scalp and skull, two contusions on her upper left chest, a contusion under her left arm, five fractured ribs on her right side, and five more on her left, bleeding in her abdomen and multiple contusions to her abdomen, right flank, right shoulder, front and back, right upper, lower and mid arm, right wrist, multiple contusions to her left outer, inner, upper and lower arm, wrist and left hand, and also a large area of contusions on her left thigh and contusions on her right thigh and right knee. The abuse Marina Placencia had suffered was unimaginable. But for all the injuries she had, according to the medical examiner, none of them explained her death. Her toxicology screen also provided no answers. Marina's official cause and manner of death were both listed as undetermined. With the actual cause of Marina's death undetermined, even though everyone and their brother knew that Angelo was more than likely responsible for Marina's death, charges weren't brought against him, and the investigation all but fizzled out. The days turned into weeks and the weeks into months, but it didn't seem investigators in Denver or Racine were pushing the case forward. Marina's family pressed for answers and eventually found help. Not with police, though, but with the media. They contacted investigative reporter Chris Halsney with Fox 31's Problem Solvers. And eight months after Marina's death, he did what it seemed investigators weren't doing. Halsney traveled to Racine to interview the neighbors in person, spoke with Marina's family, and uncovered a documented history of abuse. Fox 31 dug up court records in Racine from 2015 that showed Mantic was convicted of domestic violence battery after he, quote, punched Marina in the head several times with a closed fist. The blows were so hard that she was unable to hear out of her left ear. Her Aunt Julia picked her up and took her to the hospital. Julia told the outlet that Marina had suffered a concussion and a ruptured eardrum. After that incident, Mantic spent 100 days in jail. But when he was released, Marina allowed him back in her life after Angelo convinced her that things would be different. She told her mom that Mantic had changed. Marina said, he said he's changed. He's not going to drink no more. He's going to go to counseling. He's going to do this and that. Her mom told her that getting back with him wasn't a good idea. And Marina responded, I have to try for the kids. But a leopard doesn't change its spots. And as it always does, the cycle of abuse continued. The family provided the outlet audio of Marina's children detailing that their mom, quote, got bruises everywhere and that the abuse didn't stop with Marina. One of the children stated, he punched me a lot. Yeah, a lot of times I get bruises everywhere. That's how I get bruises. And the abuse didn't even stop with Marina and the kids. Fox 31 found that Mantic had been arrested in 2014 on felony sexual assault of a helpless person in Adams County, Colorado. The victim was not Marina, and the details were too graphic for the outlet to share. The charges were eventually dropped after the victim suddenly stopped cooperating out of fear, according to the district attorney's office. And Fox 31 problem solvers didn't stop there. Chris Halsney tracked Angelo Mantic down. 
And after Halsney introduced himself, Mantic said he had no comment. And when the investigative reporter said, we just want to ask you what happened on the train, Mantic replied, nah, nah, you can get that camera out of my face. Detectives in the district attorney's office had no comment for Fox 31 either and simply stated that Marina's case was still a, quote, open death investigation. On the one-year anniversary of Marina's death, her family gathered for a memorial. They invited Fox 31, partly to raise more awareness for Marina's case, but also because they felt the media outlet had been there for them in a way that investigators hadn't. A year after Marina's death and the family was no closer to finding answers than they had been the day she died. Her brother Christopher spoke to the news outlet stating, We lost an amazing person. We still have no answers. My sister is still, her autopsy is labeled undetermined. Still to this day, we don't have a single answer. That's what we're trying to find out, is what really happened to her? Can we get an answer so we can get some kind of closure, please? The family tried to celebrate Marina's life and to remember the good times, but their grief and the lack of answers was overwhelming. To make matters worse, they revealed that they had recently suffered another blow. They had received a voicemail message from a Denver detective assigned to the death investigation telling them that officials in Wisconsin decided not to file charges. The voicemail said, Got an email this afternoon. Racine DAs are not going to file charges. We're still throwing around ideas here too, but I don't want to give you any false hope. It didn't seem to the family that authorities were doing all they could to get justice for Marina. But after the spotlight put on the case by Fox 31, the investigation heated up again. According to police documents, nearly a year after Marina's death, Investigator Dennison and Investigator Salton finally made it over to Racine, Wisconsin to meet in person with family members, neighbors, and friends of Marina's. You see, Marina's mom and other extended family members on her maternal side lived in Denver, but her father and his family still lived in Racine. And family in Racine, just like Marina's family in Denver, had a hell of a lot to say about Angelo Mantic. One family member told detectives that Marina had moved to Racine with the children in 2013, and Angelo came shortly after. He described the relationship between Marina and Angelo as abusive and controlling, and recounted multiple instances of abuse. He recalled that Marina frequently wore sunglasses, long sleeves, and sweaters, even in the summer, to hide the bruises. And one time when he had lifted her sleeve, she had bruises on her arms and numerous dark bruises on her back. When he asked her what was going on, she wouldn't tell him. But as time went on, eventually Marina couldn't hide it anymore. One of the children told him that he was tired of his dad hitting his mom with a chair and jumping on her. He recalled that about two years before her death, Marina told him Angelo opened her legs and hit her quote, down there, and that around the same time, Marina told him about an incident when Angelo held the baby over the balcony of the apartment and said, do what I say or the baby goes. Sometimes the family member would go to Marina's apartment and knock, but no one would answer. At times, he heard the children calling out for him from behind the closed door, but nobody would open it. He also told detectives that three reports had been made to Child Protective Services by the children's school. But when they went to investigate, Angelo Mantic would not open the door. 
This family member was in on Marina's escape plan and was one of the people who drove Marina, Angelo, and the kids to the train station the day she left. Everyone in the family was hopeful that this was going to be Marina's first step in her path to finally break free of Angelo. And really, it should have been. After a year, Denver police had finally received the reports documenting the previous incident, the one Mantic had been arrested for, and according to the report, the altercation began after Angelo became irate about the race of a man on a TV show. He questioned Marina if the guy on TV looked like a man she had slept with, and then he proceeded to grab Marina and punch her in the head several times until she was unable to hear. The race of a random man on TV had set Mantic off to the point he had ruptured Marina's eardrum and, according to her aunt, gave her a concussion. I told y'all he was gutless, bitch-ass, bottom-feeding gutter trash, and here he goes again, proving my point. Did you know that poor sleep can cause weight gain, mood issues, poor mental health, and lower productivity? And that sleeping less than six to seven hours per night is linked to reduced white blood cell count. White blood cells protect our body against illnesses and diseases, fighting viruses, bacteria, and more. And flu season is officially upon us. Sleep is the foundation of our mental and physical health and performance in our days. Having a consistent nighttime routine is a must. I know for me, if I don't get a restful night of sleep, I'm definitely dragging the next day and I'm not exactly a pleasure to be around. I'm irritable, cranky, and not at my best. With a podcast to run, two kids, and a host of animals to take care of, I don't have time to be feeling run down or not at 100%. And that is where Beam Dream comes in to save the day with their Beam Dream Powder, a healthy hot cocoa for sleep. And today, my listeners get a special discount on Beam Stream Powder, their best-selling healthy hot cocoa for sleep with no added sugar. Now available in delicious seasonal flavors like cinnamon cocoa, sea salt caramel, and white chocolate peppermint, better sleep has never tasted better. Dream contains a powerful all-natural blend of reishi, magnesium, L-theanine, melatonin, and nano-CBD to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. In fact, a recent clinical study revealed Dream helped 93% of users wake up feeling more refreshed, and 93% reported that Dream helped them get a more restful night's sleep. And it couldn't be easier. You just mix Beam Dream into your hot water or milk, stir or froth, and enjoy before bedtime. Having my delicious cup of hot cocoa before I head to bed is one of the best parts of my nighttime routine. I put on my pajamas, froth up my cup of cocoa with some almond milk, and slip under the covers knowing that I will be getting a restful night of sleep and wake up refreshed, ready to take on whatever the day brings. If you want to try Beam's best-selling dream powder, take advantage of their biggest sale of the year and get up to 50% off for a limited time when you go to shopbeam.com least and use code cyber at checkout. That's shopbeam.com least and use code cyber for up to 50% off. Investigators Dennison and Salton got a hold of the train manifest from a detective at Amtrak. 
They attempted to contact all the passengers who had traveled with the family, but unfortunately, not much came of it. And I just want to know why in the hell it took over 365 days for basic investigative measures to be taken. Because tracking down the passengers is pretty damn basic if you ask me. But unfortunately, nobody ever asked me. Anyhow, investigators were able to track down one female passenger. She hadn't been on the same train car as Marina, but had come to assist shortly after the train arrived in Denver, after there was a request over the intercom calling for any doctor or paramedic. She was a doctor in her home country of England. She notified staff and was escorted to Marina's train car. When she arrived, two Amtrak employees were already performing CPR and had a defibrillator. The doctor assisted with CPR until paramedics arrived. She went on to tell the investigator that based on body temperature, she believed that Marina may have been deceased for approximately a half hour to an hour. Just when the investigation seemed to be heating up again, it went cold, ice cold. In fact, after October of 2017, there was no major movement on Marina's case. Years passed. One, then two, then three, four, and then five. Marina's family started petitions online and kept pushing for answers, but there was nothing. Angelo Mantic remained a free man. He moved on and from what I could find, entered a new relationship with a woman who actually looked kind of like Marina. He was just out there living his life with no repercussions while Marina's family struggled without her. Her four kids had lost their mom and every holiday there was an empty chair. That was all bad enough, but to know the man who was responsible was just out there living his best life made it worse. Marina and the children hadn't gotten real justice in life, and now even in death. What, a hundred days in jail for a beating? It would be laughable if it wasn't serious. And now it seemed obvious what had happened, but Angelo was still free. Fast forward to September of 2022 six years after Marina had been murdered, when investigators reached out to Dr. Bill Smock, who just so happened to be a nationally recognized expert on strangulation and suffocation. You see, with Marina's cause of death still listed as undetermined, it would be next to impossible for Angelo to face charges. How do you charge someone with murder if the medical examiner isn't willing to say a murder has occurred? If the beating witnesses saw Angelo inflict on Marina before they left hadn't caused her death, something must have happened on that train. I mean, they knew she had boarded the train in Chicago and there was no sign that anything was seriously wrong. What could have happened on that train that no one else would have seen but could have caused her death? Was it possible that Angelo had suffocated, strangled, or choked Marina on the train? Had he found out that her plans in Denver didn't include him and decided to murder her right there in the train car? Really, it was the only thing that made sense, but investigators still had to prove it. So they reached out to Dr. Smock, who agreed to review the case. Dr. Smock agreeing to review the case must have given investigators what they needed to pick up the torch and move forward. Investigators Dennison and Salton were back at it again, interviewing those closest to Marina. And what they uncovered this time was deeply disturbing. At one point, Marina had told a female relative that she believed Angelo had molested her youngest child, her daughter, when she was just a baby. 
You see, Marina's youngest daughter didn't biologically belong to Angelo. Marina had gotten pregnant by another man while they were separated when Angelo was serving time in prison. However, when he had been released, Marina wanted to help him. He was the father of her other three children, so she let him stay with her. Not long after moving in, Angelo was back in control of Marina's entire life. Multiple family members, neighbors, and friends recounted horrific instances of abuse at Angelo's hands. One friend recalled that she had taken Marina to the hospital on three or four occasions for injuries caused by Angelo. During two of those instances, not willing to let Marina out of his sight, Angelo walked up after Marina had asked for a ride and rode with him to the hospital. Marina had told another neighbor across the street that Angelo would beat her and throw her against the wall and talk down to her in front of the children. She's seen bruises on Marina's body almost daily. And at one point, she had offered for Marina and the kids to leave and come stay with her. But Angelo found the text messages and came to her front door. He pounded on the door, called her every name in the book, and threatened to kill her. The neighbor was so afraid she called police and attempted to get a restraining order, but the restraining order was denied by a judge. Another close friend of Marina's told investigators that she had known about Angelo's abuse for years. Marina had told her that Angelo once pushed her off of a balcony of an apartment the couple were living in, and she had been injured severe enough that she was unable to get up, and she just laid there on the ground for a really long time. Just prior to her death, Maria confided in her friend that she wanted to leave Angelo and move back to Denver. She asked her to come and help pack up the kids to move. They had plans of getting an apartment together once they made it back to Colorado. So she did. She came to Racine and the plan was set in motion. But the abuse was so severe that she only stayed roughly a week and a half. The friend recounted that when she walked into the apartment, it smelled of feces and urine and she believed the children urinated in their pants because Angelo was always yelling at them and they were absolutely terrified. The friend continued on stating that she witnessed Angelo spanking the children harder than what she considered normal. One day, she and Marina had gone shopping. When they returned back to the apartment, Angelo accused them of being out with men and kicked her out in the freezing cold. Eventually, he let the friend back in and berated Marina, telling her it was all her fault that he had kicked her out. On another occasion, she went shopping while Marina stayed home. When she got back, Marina had marks and blood all over her face. She knew instantly that Angelo was responsible, but Marina begged her not to say anything or he would do it again. She really wanted to help Marina, but she just couldn't take it anymore, so she left. Basically, everyone who knew Marina knew that she was being abused by Angelo. They had all seen the marks. He openly beat her on multiple occasions in front of the neighbors. They heard the screams. On one occasion, one family member saw what looked like choke marks around her neck. And Marina had confided in one friend that Angelo would throw her on the bed and force her to have sex. If she didn't, he would beat her. If you've never lived through a domestic violence situation, it's easy to ask the question that's been asked a billion and five times. Why didn't she just leave? The truth is, she did, repeatedly. But Angelo always snaked his way back into her life. And when that didn't work, he threatened to kill her, the children, or anyone who tried to help her. And eventually, when the threats didn't work, he followed through. 
The truth is, it's way more complicated than just packing a bag, sneaking out, and never looking back. Marina Placencia was trapped in a cycle she couldn't find a way out of. Angelo Mantic had beaten her down both physically and emotionally. For nearly 10 years, she was caught in this vicious cycle. But this time, she was determined to break away for good. Her first plan of leaving with her friend fell through, so she devised another. The second plan was just for her and the children to leave for Denver to go and live with her mom. But according to one of Marina's family members, Angelo discovered Marina's plan in the days prior to the trip to Denver. She told him that Angelo said to her, If I can't have you, no one will. Of course, the day her family dropped her off at the train station, they didn't want Angelo to come along, but he insisted. Maybe he knew that she was leaving for good this time, or maybe Marina was able to convince him that they would start that new life together in Denver, all the while knowing she would leave as soon as her feet hit the ground. We may never know what Angelo Mantic knew or didn't know, but we do know that leaving an abuser is the most dangerous time for a victim of domestic violence. A study by the U.S. DOJ found through interviews with men who killed their wives that either threats of separation by their partner or actual separations were most often the precipitating events that led to the murder. And it's not just the victims of domestic violence who were at risk. Another study by the American Public Health Association found that in 20% of intimate partner homicides, the victims were not the domestic violence victims themselves but family members, friends, neighbors, people who intervened, law enforcement, first responders, or bystanders. Sometimes, leaving isn't an option without a plan in place. I say all this not to say that anyone should ever stay in an abusive relationship. Let me be clear, because no one should. No one deserves to be abused in this way, and there is a path to freedom. But there are risks. It's a dangerous situation and every precaution should be taken and an escape plan established. Marina wanted so desperately to get out. She had a plan, and it was a pretty solid plan. Even if Angelo was with her on the train, her family was waiting in Denver. The train was public. There were people all around. Her four children were there. There was an entire Amtrak police department. Surely, she must have thought that if Angelo tried anything, there would be people around to intervene. And that's if he even tried. Maybe she thought he couldn't possibly do something to her on an Amtrak train. But the depths of depravity that is Angelo Mantic ran far deeper than anyone knew. On Thursday, May 18, 2023, Dr. Bill Smock had completed his review of the case and was ready to present his findings to the investigators and the assistant district attorney. Dr. Smock said that based on his review of the records and photographs, he believed that Marina Placencia died as a direct result of asphyxia from suffocation, and noted that the injuries sustained were consistent with suffocation. The doctor went on to say that he believed Marina Placencia's injuries were the result of an assault, which included blunt force trauma and suffocation. It took some time for his final report to make it to Investigator Dennison's desk, but on Friday, September 8, 2023, so seven years and seven days after Marina had been murdered, her cause of death was changed from undetermined to suffocation and the manner homicide. The doctor's report read in part, 
Suffocation was the cause of Mrs. Placencia's homicidal death and occurred from the application of pressure to her face, obstruction of the nose and mouth, and created a hypoxic condition which led to her death. Miss Placencia exhibits multiple areas of oral and perioral trauma consistent with asphyxia from suffocation. No other medical conditions were found at autopsy which could have resulted in Miss Placencia's death. The manner of death is homicide. And with that, on October 30th, 2023, Angelo Mantic was finally arrested and charged with first-degree murder and the death of Marina Placencia. He is currently awaiting trial in Denver's downtown detention center, and from the looks of his inmate profile, more assault charges have been filed against him. May he never see the light of day. Marina Placencia almost got out. After 10 years of horrific abuse, she made up her mind that she was done. She was 20 minutes away from freedom when her life was taken at the hands of a monster. She was almost there. She did all the things you're supposed to do. Made a plan, documented the abuse, told people she felt safe telling. And she still didn't make it out alive. That's just how insidious domestic violence really is. And it's happening all around us. The woman who served your coffee this morning could be suffering. Your kid's teacher, your CEO, your best friend, or maybe it's you. According to the National Center for Domestic Violence, on average, nearly 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner in the United States. During one year, this equates to more than 10 million women and men. And just in the time you've listened to this episode, roughly a thousand people have been abused. And that's just in the U.S. Domestic violence crosses every race, age, gender, or socioeconomic status. And all too often, victims suffer isolated and in silence. If there is only one thing you take from today's episode, let it be this. If you or someone you know is trapped in the cycle of domestic violence, you are not alone. There is help. There are resources available to help you break free. And you deserve to live your life free of abuse. In the U.S., resources can be found at thehotline.org. And the hotline is not only for victims. If you're a friend or family member of a victim, there are resources and ways you can help. Most importantly, just be there for them with no judgment. I'll be sure to link some resources in the show notes. And I'll be following this case and will bring you updates as they become available. In the meantime, you can follow me on my Instagram at least underscore of these or my Facebook at least of these podcasts. And if you haven't yet, make sure you hit that subscribe button. I'll be bringing you an all new case next week and you don't want to miss it. You can get all your episodes ad free just the way you like them for just $2 a month. And as a member of Patreon, you'll be the first to be notified when new tiers will be launched with exclusive episodes and a few bonus surprises. Go to patreon.com slash least of these to support the show today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for caring. If you know something, say something. And until next time, be good to each other.